Greetings, precious humans. Poet and playwright Neil Marcus said, "Disability is not a brave struggle or courage in the face of adversity. Disability is an art. It's an ingenious way to live." I couldn't agree more. My name is Laura Legendary, and you're listening to Legendary Insights. Happy New Year! I know, I know. I'm a little late. Still, welcome to my first show of 2018, and I have to tell you, I'm so excited about this episode. It is the first of what will be a series on financial literacy. So maybe you made a New Year's resolution to get your financial house in order and. You know how it is when you live paycheck to paycheck, hand to mouth, robbing Peter to pay Paul. It seems that whenever you have an opportunity to do a little bit better, set a little something aside, something always comes up to thwart your efforts. In this episode, I have a guest who's going to talk to you about able accounts. I have to start out with a little disclaimer. This show is by no means meant to be a substitute for solid financial or legal advice. I am simply imparting information. I am not advising you as to how to manage your finances, nor am I going to make any sort of claim about being an expert. But my guest is. His name is Jonathan Simeone. Before I introduce you to Jonathan, I just want to quickly point out that the content of this series will be relevant for U.S. residents only. I do not know what the equivalent information is for those of you who are listening out of country, but if you have a friend or loved one who lives in the U.S. and who has a disability and who you think might be interested, please stay tuned. Jonathan graduated from Suffolk University Law School in Boston, Massachusetts, and has been licensed to practice law since 2005. Professionally, Jonathan has worked in both politics and disability law, and he has a blog and podcast at jonathansimeone.com. Jonathan, thanks so much for being here, and welcome to Legendary Insights. Hey, Laura. Thank you very much for having me. What exactly is an able account? For the vast majority of users, an able account is an investment account. Why is it called an able account? The able account is resulted from the Stephen Beck Jr. Achieving a Better Life Experience Act, and the in its most basic form, the idea is that it allows people with disabilities to Save money tax-free. Why is saving money tax-free beneficial for people with disabilities? One of the best features of the able accounts is that the money in them does not count against asset limits for means-tested benefits programs like SSI, Medicaid, and SNAP. So, if any of these programs have restrictions about how much money you can make or save, the able account does not affect those restrictions. The savings restrictions aren't affected, with one caveat, which is 
that if your ABLE account reaches $100,000, which for the vast majority of people is, you know, unlikely, your SSI cash payments are suspended until your account goes under um, $100,000. The earnings side is different. If you invest money from your paycheck into your ABLE account, that money still counts against your earnings limits for your what they call your substantial gainful employment. It does count on the income side, on the earnings side, but not on the asset side. Wow. So if someone were a recipient of SSI, SNAP, or Medicaid, there is a limit as to how much money that person can earn. On the asset side, if you have SSI, for example, you can't have more than $2,000. But if you have, say, $12,000 in your ABLE account, that money is excluded from your SSI asset limit. When, so you, say, when you say asset, when I think of assets, I think of everything that someone owns, including a home. If you're a homeowner, does that $2,000, is that part of what's considered your assets? For SSI purposes, a home is not considered an asset. So an asset, in this case, would be your cash reserves. It could be cash. It could be... Um, there are all kinds of things that, you know, in theory, they count. But, you know... What makes the ABLE account useful for people is that whatever money you put in your ABLE account does not count against your asset limit. So it's a way for people to save um, and grow their investment without worrying about asset limits. So you can still have a regular savings account with no more than, say, $2,000 in it if that's the limit. Right. It's, but you can put any additional funds up to, there's an annual contribution rate, which this year is $15,000. But um, outside of that limitation, anything you put in your ABLE account won't count against your SSI or your SNAP benefits or your Medicaid eligibility. Does it matter where the money comes from? In other words, can you contribute money from your paycheck and let's say if you get money for your birthday or Christmas, does it matter who contributes to an ABLE account? So anyone can contribute to your ABLE account. There are two things people should be aware of, which is, as I said, the total contribution limit um, for this year cannot exceed $15,000, which I'm guessing for a lot of people isn't going to be an issue. And any amount that's con contributed by anyone is considered post-tax, which means you can't deduct the contributed amount from your taxes, but maybe it's best to go through this with an, with an example. So if I have an ABLE account and I put 5000 in it and you say, this was such a good podcast and you're a good friend, Jonathan, I'm going to put another 5000 in your ABLE account. I get 
10,000 in my ABLE account, 5,000 from me and 5,000 from you, um, but neither one of us can deduct that from our income taxes at the federal level. Some states, and this is all state-specific, do allow a deduction on the contributed amount at the state level, but people would have to check with their states on that. So does that mean, then, that if I wanted to give someone money for their ABLE account, there's no means by which I could write it off on my taxes? Absolutely not. You just have to make a gift. I see. In what way is the balance of an ABLE account accounted for on taxes? That's one of the best parts of this, is that when somebody withdraws money, when the beneficiary withdraws money from an ABLE account to pay a, a qualified disability expense, the money withdrawn from the account is tax-free um, at the federal level, and I think all the states have it tax-free as well, but that's a question people would again have to check with their state. But at least on the federal level, any money taken from an ABLE account that's spent on a qualified disability expense is tax-free. So if I wanted to purchase a Braille display, for example, and I needed several thousand dollars to make that purchase, it's not one of these penalties for early withdrawal types of things. I won't be taxed on that money as it's withdrawn as income. You will not. That's one of the main features of the, of the program is it allows people to save for specific items. You know, if somebody wants a Braille display, they can put some money in and in, invest it in a stock portfolio. And as the money grows, then they can take that out and not be taxed on it. Okay, so now you just introduced something that sort of throws a monkey wrench into this. What do you mean by invest in a stock portfolio? So all of the different ABLE plans offer different investment options, and depending on how you can invest in something like a money market that has basically a very small return, or you can invest in a plan that is largely or almost all stock, which gives the greatest chance of growth, but also the greatest chance of losing some of your investment. So it depends on your risk tolerance, what your goal is, but you can. There are all kinds of different options that you can uh, that you can choose from, um, because you're not limited by. There are about 30 states now that have able plans, and you can. Most of them allow anyone to invest in their state plan. So, um, like, you know, I live in Oregon, but for reasons that apply to my circumstances. I invested in the Massachusetts ABLE plan, even though Oregon has its own plan. Can anyone invest in whatever plan they want? In the vast majority of cases, yeah. A lot of the states do allow anybody to go into their state plan. There are some states that do not, but a lot of them do. And so there's a lot of options out there if you're willing to shop around and see what fits your circumstance best. 
So just to back up for a minute, you mentioned that when you open an ABLE account, are you able to choose? You made it sound as though you are given a choice as to what type of investment you want the money to contribute to. Yeah, that's very true, and you can also choose.、Uh, I believe in all the plans,、um, if not all, most. You can even choose different options, like. Um, just to keep the numbers simple, if you put a thousand dollars, you could put five hundred of that in a plan that is, say, eighty-five percent stock and fifteen percent bonds.、Uh, and so you can be aggressive with it and try to grow it. And you can put five hundred in a money market, which is very safe. You won't really lose any, and you won't gain that much. Oh, that's interesting. That's one of the beauties of the Able program is you can tailor it to your own. If you just want to use it as a savings vehicle to avoid the asset limits attached to SSI and Medicaid and SNAP and the like, you can just put all of your invest, all of your money, excuse me, in a money market account and not lose much and not gain much, and you can just leave it there and you can pay bills from it and things like that. Um, and just leave it there if that's your prerogative. Let's go back to your earlier comment about qualified spending. What exactly constitutes a qualified use of your able account funds? So it's it's very broad, and I guess I want to make one thing perfectly clear, which is you don't have to prove at the time you're. Withdrawing money and spending it—that it is a qualified disability expense. It basically works on the honor system, and really only if somebody got audited would this become an issue.、Um, so it's—it would still be a good idea to keep track of receipts and have good record keeping. But you know, the odds of somebody getting caught on it are extremely low. I would say. Uh, but there are several categories of expenses that count, like education, housing, transportation,、um, assistive technology.、Uh, there are a whole number of. I think there's like twelve different、uh, categories of things: employment-related services,、uh, basically anything that that helps make you more independent and and things like that. Definitely would be covered on the housing side. Any mortgage payment counts if the ins- if the mortgage holder requires insurance. That counts. Heating fuel counts. Gas, electricity, water, sewer, garbage removal.、Uh, all of that counts.、Um, and so, like on the transportation side, if you take.、Um, Taxi or Uber or Lyft, those things count. If you buy a transit pass, those things count. So, you know, really, a lot of things that somebody, like I said,、uh, tuition, books, you know, things related to education. There's a very wide latitude there in terms of what counts and what doesn't count. 
Well, it seems to me that if someone is using the money for incidental expenses like daily transit or for their utility bills, unless someone has a steady stream of income from this account as supplied by someone else, that's not necessarily the best use of the money. Well, the only way that that I would say that it is, if someone is up against the asset limits. Then you could certainly make a compelling argument that putting a few hundred dollars or a thousand or two in this and paying daily expenses does make sense.、Um, but obviously, if your goal is to invest for an intermediate goal like a braille display, for example, or if you want to go big and you want to invest for a home or Uh, an accessible van or something, then taking money out to pay everyday expenses wouldn't make sense. So it seems to me one of the best ways to make use of an account like this is to encourage family and friends who would normally get you, say, an Amazon gift card for your birthday, or who might be willing to contribute money. Uh, to your daily living expenses, just as a matter of course, really to consider investing the money into your Able account, because then you could really maximize the gain from that account and use it later on something that you might normally need the money for anyway. Absolutely. I mean, I think that would be a great if family and friends wanted to contribute to people's accounts. I think it would be、um, a great gift. Just to back up to the beginning, where you talked about eligibility, who is eligible to open an Able account? There are basic, basically two parts to the eligibility question. One is that your disability has to have been present prior to your twenty-sixth birthday,、um, and the second part of it is you have to have a qualifying disability. There are three ways. That a person can determine that if you are eligible for SSI, SSDI, and that includes childhood disability benefits, widow, disabled widow slash widower benefits,、um, or if you have a certified medical professional writing a letter that says if this person meets the definition of disability. But for our purposes, you know, on, on ACB radio, I'm assuming the vast majority of people would qualify under blindness, and so in that case, as long as、um, the, they were legally blind prior to their 26th birthday, it would count. Now, there is one thing that I want to make very clear because this is one of the this is a really good feature as well. You don't have to prove. That you have a disability when you sign up for the account. During the sign-up process, you basically swear that you meet the eligibility requirements. And unless somebody asks, you never have to prove that. So it's not like if you apply for SSI, for example, it could take months before you hear anything. If you create, go to create an Able account. You can literally have the account set up and up and running in like five minutes. Well, I find the 
26 years old requirement a bit arbitrary. I mean, if I'm well into my adulthood and I want to set up an ABLE account, how do I then go back and prove that I was blind prior to the age of 26? Well, it's, it's, some people can prove that based on whether or not they were eligible for SSI or SSDI previously. Um, depending on someone's eye condition, a medical professional could probably say, yes, this person has been blind for this long. Um, you know, if someone has a, has a, a history, a, a medical records, that would get the job done. Um, and that, but that is an important point you raise, which is that you don't have to open your account before age 26. Um, you just have to have had your disability prior to age 26, which is, as you suggest, extremely arbitrary and, in, in my view, really nonsensical. In doing my research for the program, one of the other major categories of eligibility that I read about was that of parents who want to open ABLE accounts for their disabled child. So there are a couple of things here. Whoever opens the account, the account owner or the account beneficiary is always the person with a disability. Uh, but that being said, there are three types of three situations where someone else can open and even have signature authority over an account, and that is a parent, a legal guardian, or someone with a power of attorney. Where does a person go to open an ABLE account? Well, the place that I would start um, is the ABLE National Resource Center, and the website is A as in Apple, B as in Bob, L as in Lima, E as in Echo, N as in Natural, R as in Roger, C as in Corporation. Um, because on that website, you can um, look at all the different plans offered by the states, and they have a comparison tool where you can compare three state plans simultaneously, which makes sorting them really a lot easier. That's how I did it. And they also, of course, have a way where you can, a way for you to ask questions. Now, when the ABLE account program was first rolled out, there was a limited number of states participating. In the article I recently read, I believe in Forbes magazine, I noticed that now there are many more states participating. But what caught my attention was one of the financial institutions, I believe it's Fidelity, is offering some sort of branded variation of an ABLE account that is something more, it's something more like a, a co-op, if you will. And it's a little bit more generic, maybe, and a number of different states can participate. Do you know anything about that? Um, actually, <laughs> that's the one I invested in. So um, the Fidelity plan is actually the Massachusetts plan. Um, they made a contract with Fidelity to run their plan. It's called the Attainable Savings Plan. And it's not really um, very much different from the other plans, except that this is run by... Um, Fidelity in partnership with Massachusetts and 
um, I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but you're investing in Fidelity mutual funds, ultimately, depending on the plan you choose. Um, and the other plans all use uh, different investment you know, portfolio options. But the Fidelity plan at its core, the attainable savings plan, is, is, is very much like the other ABLE plans. We've been talking about people who use any number of different government programs for financial assistance, whether that's SSI, SNAP, or Medicaid. You've not mentioned SSDI, which is Social Security Disability Insurance, right? That's a different animal? Well, it, it counts in the sense, but so if you're on SSDI, and that includes child benefits and widow, widower benefits, there are the $100,000 SSI limit for ABLE accounts does not apply. So, for example, um, currently the attainable plan offered by Fidelity in Massachusetts allows you to have up to $410,000 in it, which if somebody got it up to that, they'd be in great shape, right? But... Um, if you were on SSI after a hundred thousand, uh, you would stop receiving your cash benefits. But that rule does not apply to people on SSDI. And Jonathan, would you happen to know how these restrictions and regulations apply to inheritance? Let's say someone loses a parent and inherits a certain amount of cash, or perhaps they inherit their parent's home and want to sell the home. Can that money be rolled into an ABLE account? Only up to the annual contribution limit of $15,000. So that's, that's one of the things about the program over time that I hope would be increased. Um, but right now, the answer is only that much. Well, at a limit of $15,000 a year, it would be pretty tough to ramp up to 400000 Or even 100000 So that's why, for most people, it doesn't matter. But I feel like people should at least know that this rule does exist. But is it going to affect 99% of the people? No. I see. Who isn't an ABLE account for? I can't think of a reason why anyone who qualifies for SSI or SSDI and who was disabled prior to 20, age 26, I can't think of a, a reason why, unless someone just had no money to put in it, why somebody wouldn't sign up. The advantages to it are so great. Uh, especially because if you are on SSI or you have health insurance through Medicaid, the idea that never having to worry about asset limits, the peace of mind, because let's just, for an example, um, you know, let's say you have assets worth $1,500 and your uncle passes away and leaves you $10,000. Um, you could take all of that and funnel it into your ABLE account and not have to worry about losing your SSI and or Medicaid. And, and, and that's just a, a tremendous advantage. Before I let you go, 
please give everyone all of your contact details because I'm sure you're going to get some questions from this. I run a blog and podcast, um, and I actually have a blog post and a podcast up there now with a lot of this information. Um, and it's just my name, Jonathan, J-O, N as in Nancy, A-T-H-A-N, Simeone, S as in Sam, I, M as in Mary, E-O, N as in Nancy, E, dot com. And I have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Jonathan Simeone. And I have a Twitter handle associated with my website, which is Jonathan underline Ufi, U-F-I. And Ufi is my guide dog's name, so that's where that came from. Thanks, Jonathan. Listen, everyone, we have so much more info to share. So please join me for the continuation of the Financial Literacy Series. And until then, live your ingenious life.